You are a good psychiatrist. Thank you. Something I can't really lay claim to after today. How could I have so misjudged that man? Well, he's undeniably charming, for one thing, and he can be lucid for long stretches of time. Yes, but you weren't fooled. Somehow you picked up on some tiny, tiny clue that I missed. You remember what it was? Yes. Midway through our interview, he took off his trousers and tried to put them on the cat. Okay, now that's from Frazier. That's Frazier and Niles talking. Now, sometimes psychiatrists can give you a diagnosis and it's right on. You're depressed or you're anxious or you're having panic attacks and it's very helpful, whether it's any mental health profession, it doesn't have to be a psychiatrist, it's very helpful to know what the diagnosis is because that will help give you all the knowledge that's been gained on that constellation of symptoms that you have such as a panic attack so that you can get the help you need you can learn all the skills that you need if there's a medication that can help you can take that but pills don't teach skills that's that's a saying that we have in cognitive therapy pills don't teach skills it doesn't bypass your need to do the the necessary thinking to help yourself improve your life so right before the break, we, a woman had called talking about um, 59 years old. She had a serious illness for the past few years, and she was put on medications for infections and possibly other things. At her doctor's suggestion, she walks into a psychiatrist's office thinking that he's going to, you know, take a look at her, but also try to figure out if it was the medications that was causing the problem. She walks out with a label. She's got bipolar disorder. Now, that's a heavy label. That isn't just like saying you've got an adjustment disorder, which is a bump in the road type thing. So what is bipolar? For those of you sitting scratching your head saying, what is bipolar? Uh, bipolar disorder is a disorder if you, uh, that has two different poles to it. A very depressed pole. You're down in the dumps, blue. You're very sad. Uh, it's been going on for a while, most of the day, nearly every day. You feel empty. You don't have the regular pleasures in life. You're either losing weight or you're gaining weight, and that's different from what normally goes on. You're either not sleeping enough or sleeping too much. You, you're either very agitated or you just feel like you, someone put a hose in you and drained all the energy out of you. Uh, you just might feel worthless. You might feel a lot of inappropriate appropriate guilt and you're given all of this what's your ability to think or concentrate not very good and you may feel some hopelessness some suicidal thoughts it can interfere can interfere if you're feeling this depressed it's obviously going to interfere with any relationship you have with your work uh, with other important areas of functioning and uh, you have to figure out what's going on. That's the depressed pole. The manic pole is not just feeling elated. Oh, it's a nice day out today. The daffodils are blooming and I feel great. When you have a manic episode, you're very happy, very energized, very elevated, very what they call an expansive. It might be a very irritated mood. It may not be a happy mood. But you're highly, highly, highly charged. And you may have these feelings of grandiosity. I can do anything I want. I can fly out of windows. I can drive down the road at, you know, country road at 180 miles an hour or a city street. I don't need to sleep. You may have a flight of ideas, racing thoughts, or pressure to keep talking less. 
sounds like I'm manic right now, doesn't it? You're just talking, talking, talking. You may be very distractible. Uh, you just you're, you're something happens outside, and you pay a lot of attention to some little old woman who's talking, and nothing is logical. Nothing makes sense. So even though you've got all this energy, it's splattering. It's not focused on getting a PhD or finding a job in an organized manner. It's all over the place. People have sexual sprees, buying sprees, uh, business in investments that go bad. They make foolish decisions. So this is not good. If you find you're doing that and you also have the depressive component, then yes, you, you may have what's called bipolar disorder. And that doesn't mean that it's something you necessarily have for life. I know they can put you on things like lithium that can really help. So you may want to try give a trial of medication. But I would not label yourself. I would look at this as a problem to solve. And I would get the skills to manage your thoughts better. Because if you add a new component to it, which I call labelitis, oh my God, I've got a label, I've got this disorder, this disease or something, then what typically happens is people feel like there's not much they can do. For example, I can't think away cancer. I just have to take the doctor's recommendation. Well, a psychological problem is very different than cancer. You can think about it. You must think about it. You must take charge the of your thought processes. You need to know better thinking skills, better organizing skills, and that's what I keep mentioning cognitive therapy does. It gives you assertiveness skills. It gives you skills to think clearly how to take any emotion you have, whether it's depression, anxiety, guilt, anger, uh, feeling what people say weird, and decoding them, understanding exactly what those emotions are, what those emotions signal within you. For example, if you're really depressed, it may be because you lost a job or because you don't have a loved partner. Well, then you can look at how do I go about dating? I'm anxious. I don't know how to do that. Or I lost a loved partner. Is it bereavement? Do I need to know more about the guilt process and what's normal and what where I'm going off base here, which be, what becomes complicated bereavement? So you want to give yourself the knowledge to make your life easier. And I would go to a website, Academy of CT for cognitivetherapy.org. They've got articles on that that can be very helpful, and they have resources around the country that could help you get the help you want. But when people come in to me and say that, you know, I have a biochemical disorder, I went to a psychiatrist, and I have, and then fill in the blank, depression, a bipolar, you name it, uh, ADHD, I say to them, what if you didn't have that label and we just work on fixing the problem and getting you better. Many people get better much faster because they don't have the weight of a label that comes with so much excess baggage in their own mind. So I've, um, I, I hope, I wish you a lot of success in getting better and definitely take a look at the medications too that you've been on. Now, um, right before, uh, earlier in the show, I talked about uh, a woman who uh, made a promise to God. And what I will do is read this question, and then right after the break, I will answer this for you. So see what you think about this. See how it resonates with your own childhood, with your own upbringing, and the ideas you have about sex and human beings even. Dear Dr. Kenner, my ex-boyfriend and I made a promise to God that we'd remain virgins until our wedding night. Now listen closely to the following. But being humans, we were weak. 
What's her view of human nature? We gave in to our sexual desire four times. What's her view of sexuality? We repented our sins and turned away from our lifestyle, but it was a constant struggle not to cross the line. My boyfriend had a lot of stress from sexual tension and started with porn. What do you suggest he do to break this addiction to porn besides prayer? Now notice her solution. Prayer. Okay, so think about that. Look at her basic view of herself. She's a weak human being. Look at the view of sex, that it's low, animalistic, wrong and bad, that she's a sinner, that she needs to repent, that she has to confess, and that she has to resist something that feels right and good. Sexual desire with a man she loves, not just something on whim. And look at her, uh, look at what she thinks about pornography, erotica, um, and granted, we'll talk about that coming up. Well, what if it's the case that everything you were taught about morality is topsy-turvy? or that much of what you were taught of it is topsy-turvy. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, and coming up, we will look at her way of looking at this situation in an, an alternative way, which is far more benevolent and comes from a very different universe than the malevolent one. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner on the Rational Basis of Happiness, toll-free, 1-877-DR-KENNER. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner and co-author Dr. Edwin Locke. Compatible personalities are crucial to romance. Being compatible does not mean being identical. It means that the partners do not constantly clash, but make each other happy on a daily basis. Nor is it the case that opposites necessarily attract. This may be true of some traits, but not others. An introverted man might enjoy the way an extroverted woman brings him out of his shell, while an extroverted man might feel at peace with a quiet, self-contained woman. On the other hand, many people prefer partners with similar personalities. People who are adventurous, for example, usually prefer partners who are the same. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com. And you can buy The Selfish Path to Romance at amazon.com.